I'm so happy we did two hours because the last 15 minutes of this have been the best of the whole doubleheader because <laughs> this is right. This is right. This is because this is an opinion. Some of the stuff we've been talking about is, is opinions that I've rehashed over and over again. But your, this take about the emoluments thing is right. And you don't hear people say it. Hey, everyone. Um, you're listening to the Politics Podcast. Um, this week, Matt and I decided to do a crossover episode with Tim Miller, um, who's the new host of the Bulwarks podcast. Um, for those who don't know, Tim was a Republican operative for many years, then fell out of GOP politics over Donald Trump, which is why he landed at the Bulwark, which is sort of like the main online outpost for never Trump conservatives. Um, we thought it'd be fun to let him pick our brains for 45 minutes and then turn the tables. So this is us turning the tables and um, grilling Tim Miller about all of his sins. Hmm. How's it going, Tim? Of which there are many. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like a, a, a neoliberal moderate squish at this point. I don't know. Outpost of never Trump conservatives. I mean, Mona Sharon is still holding it down at the bulwark. But, you know, I don't know. Some of, <laughs> actually, some of these we, we days, you, my squishiness want you- is overtaking. So, so you're you're like kind of anticipating the the questions that oh, we wrote okay, down sorry. a little bit, but no, no, it's fine. But like, we will want you to like help us understand the cosmology of the the tiny little elite Never Trump universe a bit. But it's like important Matt- because they're only like we're we're about four percent of the country, but we may determine whether or not the country lands in an autocracy or not. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I I, I I agree with that actually, and I so this is I I mean I, softball, but I just like how, how would you characterize like the the project at the bulwark like like what what is it yeah it's funny so when the bulwark started uh, this was before me I, I i popped on about three weeks in and so i wasn't i wasn't around to uh, give feedback on that on the um tagline and maybe we would have stopped this um but uh, the initial tagline was conserving conservatism mm-hmm. and I, I think there was a reasonable like argument for that because at the time it was like you know, thinking back to early Donald Trump years, it's like Donald Trump, it's making the argument to traditional, whatever, compassionate conservatives, if you will, -hmm. will. like Donald Trump is not that, right? Like it's something else. Like we're trying to conserve that tradition of, you know, and maybe better, more accurately put in a political science sense, like conserving classical liberalism, um, you know, as, as, as you would define that. And so like, that was kind of the initial mission, but and I think that it's important also to remember this context of in the early Trump era, this kind of has gotten memory hold, but there, there was like a resistance ish. It wasn't as fervent as I wanted it. I mean, I voted for Hillary Clinton for God's sakes, but there, but like, but Paul Ryan as speaker was like trying to push back on Trump. There were people that were like, we're going to go in and we're going to contain him. Like Elise Stefanik didn't mention Trump's name until late 2018. Like she was so horrified by him and she now might be his VP, right? So oh, there was this period. There, there right, was a so, meaningful internal resistance. The, and that at happened. that time, the, the, the I The Russia investigations that, and, and the Mueller yeah. invest, like that yeah, was all Robert, Republicans. Yeah, Richard Burr, like in the Senate, the part of the Russia right. investigation that had Republicans, it was bipartisan. So, right. So during that period, you know, launching a news and opinion outlet that was like a home for the people that wanted to be part of that internal resistance, like made a lot of sense and saying, okay, hey, we're going to fight within 
the party here. And um, and a lot of people, obviously, that launched the Bulwark were never Trumpers, were like-minded. Uh, we also you know, had a lot of liberals that were like, God, thank God there's some people that I can listen to that I disagree with on tax rates, but who don't seem like totally insane and racist. And you know, I, I, occasionally I would get hugged on the streets by hippie ladies that are like, my family, I can't even talk to at Thanksgiving anymore. And it's like, you're my, I was a stand-in for her, for, you know, Cousin Joe. And so like, that was sort of the initial element of it. But as the Republican Party has degraded over the five years, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of us at the bulwark have have come to the conclusion that like, this is not like really a winnable fight, at least within within the polit- Republican Party political infrastructure. And that our role here more is to as to stake out a pro-democracy position that fills the broad center of the country. We brought in Will Salatin, who's always been center left over at Slate, and trying to fill that space where we can be very clear eyed about the threat to democracy, very clear about the threat to Trump. That is our our highest and best purpose. And then underneath that, we can kind of have a discussion among like-minded, a discussion among the family and argue sometimes about the details of, of the policies. And, and I think that that's been something that folks have really, you know, found was needed, like was missing from the, the media ecosystem. So, but are you, you said you're like a new liberal squish, but like in the, in the first 45 minutes, we talked about how like yeah. Joe Biden could benefit from Republican validators who weren't full converts, right? Who weren't going to go yeah. to the Democratic convention and endorse him, but would be reluctantly in his favor and telling reluctant Republicans to vote for him despite their misgivings about him, right? Is that you or are no. you? That was my um, job in 2016 and 2020. And we so need now, to now, yeah, we need to now, we're trying to recruit other people. I and mean, I'm not, I'm retired. I'm a podcast host now, but um, you know, some of my colleagues, Sarah Longwell, uh, she ran Republican voters against Trump in 2020, which I was the political director for. Um, she's recruiting other people to hold my job for that this time and, and kind of a similar type organization where you recruit validators. And I, I think that, it, frankly, what what is needed this time to help Joe Biden is people that supported Donald Trump at some level, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I was the spokesman for the anti-Trump back in 2016, March, right? So, I mean, at this point, it's been nine years. <laughs> if you look right. at the picture of me from that first article, like I look like a child, you know? I mean, I look like I'm do, getting yeah. carded. I'm getting <laughs> carded in that initial picture, right? And so, you know, I've got grays back here, brother. And, um, and uh, so, I, you know, I think that we need people now to speak out that that at some level went along with Trump because the people that they're trying to persuade at some level went along with Trump, right? Like if, guess, if Biden's in trouble if he's trying to persuade people to or Hillary Biden voters. Like, I was, but I guess what know? I'm getting at is if if Nikki Haley were to somehow beat Trump, she'd be a great validator, and, huh? Oh, if she <laughs> no, no, somehow beat Trump, beat Trump. Like, I'm sorry. Like, she, like if if Trump if Trump got hit by a bus tomorrow, yeah, and she the would nomination not be the nominee. Just defaulted to Haley somehow. Okay. Well, so would, would, if we would, lived would, if we lived in another society, that, this, yeah. is, this is why I just like like no 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 just like like Trump goes to prison. Haley right. Don <laughs> Jr. is the nominee, or Ron um, DeSantis, or Tucker, or Vivek. Or JD okay, fine, Vance. fine, fine. Like, like there's do, no do convention this, fight that I'll is going this, to do, yield do, to Nikki Haley. Okay, fine. But okay, I'll do this ahead. another way. Donald Trump wins the nomination, loses badly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like he will at this point, but like, let's say it happens. Yeah. And so finally, you know, he's too old. He goes to prison. Republicans are like, man, we really screwed up in 2016. Let's clean house and make somebody like Nikki Haley the 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 leader of the party. And she goes back to, you know, maybe slightly to the right of Mitt Romney or something like that kind of old model of Republican. 
are you gonna what happens rejoin to that party or are you going to um so like- i am gonna be like brian at the at the old folks home you know in 2082 i'm gonna be in the cafeteria at the old folks home and somebody's gonna wheel themselves in and try to sit next to me and i'm gonna look at my husband i'm gonna point at them like we can't sit next to that person they were for trump <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like trump i am a i'm i'm a singly obsessed with trump nikki haley went to work for donald trump I had friends, good friends that worked for her, were her top consultants that did the right thing, that said they would not do that, that now just live normal lives, um, you know, as as PR flax for corporations or whatever, because they did not go along with her because they could not do it from a moral standpoint. And I just I, I will not I will not. So, uh, yeah, sure. If in your total fantasy scenario, if Larry Hogan emerges as the Republican nominee next time. And if some AOC is the Democratic nominee, would I be for Larry Hogan? Like, probably, I guess. But now we're, you're like, it's it's like saying, okay, Tim, what would you do, you know, if like uh, Michael Jordan came back, you know, from, I, you know, and start, oh, I got, this is a terrible example. I, I don't know. what it, like, You're asking me to, to, to uh, answer a counterfactual hypothetical. It's just not going to happen. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's oh, like the party wanted Trump. He's been nominated three straight times. Like, it's not like next time people are going to be like, you know what we want? Somebody who hated Trump. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like they love it. Trump. They love but, Trump. He's winning a landslide right now. And for the third time, despite the fact that he attempted an insurrection. It's a landslide. It's he's not good. But like, but like, he's but lost like, five I counties. Am, I, I am coming around to this idea that it's weird that he is like hovering at 60% against the placeholder. You know what I mean? Is it? Like, no, I mean, nobody has ever won the I first think, three I think, primaries. I think, I, think, I, think, I think if like Nikki O's doing worse than if, Buchanan if did against had primary Joe Biden because of Gaza and tried to like capture that progressive spirit, he'd get like 25%. And well, can, can, can I ask you a, a, okay, a different, yeah. a different anyway. version of this question, right? Okay. Uh, like, sure. what do you think? Uh, it's, there's like Trump as a personality, and then there's also Trump as a kind of a set of, of ideas, um, such as they are, right? And there's guys like J.D. Vance, who I think like really like exemplify a kind of like Trumpist issue trajectory yeah. um, versus other people who, you know, have just kind of like gone along to, to, to get along, but have the older kind of ideology. And like, do you think, like, is it, has, have Republicans gotten worse? Have they gotten further from where you stand on yes. issues? Or is it just that like, that Trump is bad? Both. Both are yeah. true. Guys, I don't I have to tell you, I do my best to not be in a little never Trumper bubble. And, you know, I moved to Louisiana um, uh, and I go to Turning Point USA events and I go to Republican events and I talk to people. And like there has been a meaningful change in in the part and what attracts people to the Republican Party. It's been nine years. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just have some yeah. totally corrupted, like insane, charismatic person take over a party and then have them have a heart attack, God willing, and then have everybody just be like, okay, whatever, let's go back to how it was before. Like he's he's in he has t- contaminated the water table. And if you go and talk to a 23-year-old Republican right now, 
there aren't like 23 year old Republicans that are like, they're great. They exist. Yeah. There are four of them (laughs) that are like, you know, I really loved God and man at Yale and I'm still a conservative. Like, like if you talk to to young Republicans, they want like when I go to the turning point USA thing, the first question I ask every kid. And again, this is self-selecting. So it's the most active kids, but still is like, why are you here? What do you care about? Woke stuff, anti-immigrant, anti-woke, anti-immigrant, anti-war. Period. That's it. Mm-hmm. Every answer. Like we should, we should be. It's America first. We should not be involved in foreign conflicts. I'm against globalism. We should deport every immigrant and you know trans. I, I really don't like trans ideology. I don't like groomer teachers. Blah blah blah. Like that's what they care about. Like none of them say tax cuts, strong military, deregulation. Like I, the issue set has fundamentally changed away from things that I I care about. I think, that, I, I think oh, so, Trump like, has a unique personal threat too, though. This, I think that's this, on this top cohort, of it. This cohort replacement thing that you're talking about is like real and important. Like this, like the only people attracted, new people attracted to Republican politics are attracted for the worst possible reasons. Right. It's like the worst of Gen Z or whatever yeah. are, are Republicans now. But there's another like side of this story, which it's not that I think that things would just revert to, to Romney style Republicanism if Trump were to croaker go to prison it's that like you love it's that like as 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 like uh, as like badly as trump underperforms trumpists who are not donald trump perform really badly and so if he's out of the picture and the party nominates don jr or carrie lake yeah it's gonna do even worse right and then there's a sort of engine that might rev up to be like we need we need like genuine new institutions uncorrupted we need to sure like people who, and i like we'll be lucky if we get there but i don't think that that's a crazy 10 i don't think that's trajectory. crazy a 10-year trajectory maybe 20 i don't think that's crazy either i think they're again and you go back to me versus some other folks I, and i think that there are folks that are just that were always more deeply conservative than me that would want to be part of that project like i was a political hack that worked for john huntsman and jeb bush and john mccain right so like mm-hmm. you know i mean i, I was like basically interchangeable with Tommy Vitor until he became a, you know, uh, uh, you know, far Your left pro, pro Gaza <laughs> activist, right? Like, I mean, we were just political <laughs> hacks. Like I, and I, and you know, this is what I wrote about. And so I think that that's, I had ideological priors, but like John Huntsman was the closest candidate that I ever worked for to me. He was like pro civil unions, pro he wanted to do something about climate change, immigration reform. Like he also was for deregulation and tax cuts, right? Like, so I just don't feel that strong. Like Joe Biden is not meaningfully separate from me enough to to have that be different than like what Mitt Romney was and from 2012 with his like anti-immigration and anti-gay views, right? So I don't need to be part of that. Uh, I think that sure there will be there will be a group of people that are more deeply conservative than me that are part of that, but I think they have a fucking generational battle, like a, like a generation away. And and I don't think that Republicans care that much about losing. I think they care m- more about making Brian cry and like owning the libs. And and I, I think Trump could win this time, and that would delay this again another another twelve twenty years. And like I, you know, they can still win in red states. They're still going to be able to win in red districts. The Republicans, despite you're saying they're doing bad, I guess they're doing bad, but they're going to they're going to be in charge of the Senate this year yeah. and they might have a senate majority that's so big that it's hard to to uh you know overtake in the foreseeable future so it's like it's not like it's so bad it's not like they're in they've completely bottomed out it's not like they're like corbyn's labor party or something in the uk yeah. i mean 
the counter still- counterpoint to what I'm saying, I guess, is that like Republicans became non-viable in California and they're just like, fine, we're just going to be non-viable forever, forever, and indulge in our bullshit. And, and they love it. And Arnold was showed them a path out about how to do it a different way. And they're like, no, we don't like that. <laughs> no, fuck that. Actually, that guy was a, that, that guy, was, you know, had muscles, but he was a squid. He was too big of a lib. So, all right. Yeah, fine. I don't see it changing. And I, and I think that the um, a lot of the people that wanted to change are dying. Right. Like I, if you look at the stat, like if you look at if you do a poll of Republicans and you're like, are you more of a traditional Republican or a Trump Republican? Like the oldest level, it'll be like 60, 30. I'm more of a traditional. And at the youngest level, it's flipped. Right. And, and, the, and the graph go is totally inverted. Right. And they're and retiring. So, I mean, you see you see in Congress. Right. I mean, a lot yeah, of and they're Republicans Matt are Gall- just Mike Gallagher quick. just retired at the age 39. He'd be the youngest person on this podcast. And he and he was a committee chair in Congress <laughs> and he just retired because he was just like, fuck it. So, so I, you know, so I think that is pretty telling. So, you know, something we were talking about um, previously was a kind of like question of like, why why aren't Democrats more like aggressive right in their sort of um you know just just attack dog politics and i wonder though how much that connects to you said you know like republicans really just want to own the libs right and that can be bad it can lead you into totally like crazy directions lack of substance but it seems to me that it it also relates to a certain level of political efficacy that it's like if your mission in life is just to beat the left then you try to beat the left instead of spending a lot of time on kind of like internal purity testing and, yeah. and, and rehashing. Well, there's there's some internal purity testing on just dear leader cult stuff right. with Trump, of course, but not really on policy. Um, I guess, look, so I think that there has been a fundamental change. This is my Adam Smith supply and demand of political staffers. Like I really, I made the joke about Tommy, but I really do think that like from the period of like our lives, like from Dole through Romney, like the types of people that were attracted to becoming political operatives on both sides were like pretty similar types of people. Mm-hmm. And they had policy preferences that were direct, but they liked the competition of it. They liked the sport of it. They liked the rush and they had certain policy preferences that they cared about, but were willing to kind of sacrifice on the margins, you know, in order to help their person win. Like generally speaking, I think the Dems are always a little more earnest in like the last 10 years that has like totally changed yep. where the people that are attracted to Republican politics are completely nihilistic trolls. And they're like, I just want to fuck with people. And I want, and I'm, I like the lying and I like the conspiracy and I like being an asshole. And the people that are attracted to democratic politics are like almost too earnest and like, uh, and, and believing very stringently and strongly about an, having an ideological perspective about the country and and there's a lot to respect about that, but like that has created, I think, an asymmetry, like in a real way, in in the campaigns that, in certain ways, helps Republicans, in certain ways doesn't, right? But like that, in certain ways, has provided, you know, has made Republican campaigns more ruthless and Democrats more self sabotaging at times. I'm painting with a broad brush. Like there are mm-hmm. obvious exceptions to this. There are plenty of Democrats that went smart campaigns in the midterms. That's why they did better. If you look at Warnock and and, um, you know, Vance. But if you just if you talk to people that are involved in the campaigns like that, this trend is happening is, I think, hard to argue with. OK, but so like from my perspective, I know a fair number of Democratic operatives. And like I would say that on average, they're like pretty neurotic about 
making any kind of decision that thrusts the party into partisan combat. Like, like sort of how will it play in Peoria kind of, we need to run a focus group before we go for the jugular, right? Are we talking about 40-year-old Democratic operatives or 24-year-old? Um, it, to be honest, it's actually, it, that curve is inverted too. I think older Democrats like Carville are a little more like, just say, just say what's obviously bad for Republicans. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, Carville literally younger. has a YouTube page right now that's like, Mike Johnson is, is a sex pest. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and like Heidi Heitkamp was just like, oh, uh, 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 Rosendale or Rosendale whatever, like impregnated as you know. right. Yeah, right. So, so like, like they get that there is just some like ruthlessness required. And the, the younger you go, the more like um, about equanimity they are or whatever. Yeah, um, sure. And like to me, like just – you know, I, I know some Republican operatives, but like watching politics as a kid and then as an adult is like Gingrich made it so like your 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 primary thing as a Republican is that you're all in against the left and in the most withering and de- debased, you know, just like just humiliate them when you can, right? And like and like Karl Rove kind of perfected this uh, this style of politics, and then Donald Trump took it to this crazy level, and I just like. I want to know a little bit more about what it looks like from the inside when a young operative is being trained. I mean, not like, not like you go to, there's like a, a major or a minor in college. Yeah. Like, yeah, how there's a, a school cheap. though. No, I know. So I, t- I want you school. to talk about it because like, I mean, I don't like, I don't want to pick at old scabs or whatever, but like, yeah. um, let's the, pick old scabs. Okay. Okay. I'm like, an open wound, man. I, okay. You fine. Know, it's all good. Um, we talked about, we talked about Tommy. We talked about cricket media. There was a thing that happened where like you were, you you had suggested to a client that like the people coming after you are funded by Soros. You yeah. can go after them for that. Right. And there was blowback for that. And like, we're not here to say that you, you, you were like uh, an anti-Semite for putting that in your strategy memo. You were a Republican and you're like, if you want to beat your opposition, savage them. Right. Like oh, where did that come from? Yeah. I want to know, like, was it, was it, tell us about the school, tell us about training and like wh- how it is that Republicans just become imbued with this like reflexive go for the throat thing because Democrats don't have that. Yeah, I mean, there literally is an R- RNC campaign school. I-, I don't know that it still exists, but um, I-, I both went to it and trained at it, you know, and was a trainer, whatever, What's that, whatever the right word is, a teacher. teacher? Yeah. Uh, I guess not really. You don't feel like a teacher. You're in there and you're just like, you know, give it, you know, uh, it's-, it's much more practical than that. Um, but so, you know, and part of that is just like the basic blocking and tackling of campaigns. You're just trying to coach people up. But part of it when it comes to the comms element of this is, is, is just really, um, putting into people's mind, like a rapid response, you know, always on offense kind of mindset of, and, and what are tactics that you do, how you engage those tactics. I I think that, um, you know, uh, in, I, there's some of this on the left now, but I, you know, it's not like it's not like they don't do any of this on the left. But I, I just think that no, the culture not. of it, right, like the the research side of things, like like really emphasizing, you know, like it is kind of a prime job in Republican campaigns to be the research director. I notice that's kind of a nerdy job on the Democratic campaign. That's not like the sexy job, but on Republican, it's like yes, you are the person in charge of the oppo. The person in charge of the oppo gets kind of a mystique around them. Really, a lot of times the person in charge of the oppo then becomes like the the person in charge of communications because that's what people that's what is valued in Republican campaigns. And and really, I can't go back before, you know, Bush because that's before my time. But 
you know, th- there is like a, just a direct line of, you know, Steve Schmidt, who is now, you know, who ends up doing Lincoln Project stuff and, and does Palin and all this. And he was in charge of rapid response for Bush in 04 and like created like a little army underneath him of people that like really are schooled in being attack dogs. And like, I am like two generations underneath that, but like, that's what I was schooled in. Like I did not go to political campaign school to be like, Oh, how do you write flowery speeches? You know, how do you, uh, how do you explain policy, you know, in a way that is brought most broadly appealing, right? Like, how do you, like, I didn't, nobody taught me how to do any of that. Like the, what the what it was passed down was here are the tactics for working over reporters for shaming mainstream media reporters into showing you know into doing about with both sides as I'm into to showing our side you know here are the here are how you deploy uh, little research nuggets in ways that let it go from conservative media and bubble up to mainstream media and bubble up to TV like those were the tools and the tactics that I learned like when I was 24 like that like my in my first job when I was and that going back to the Tommy thing when I was McCain in Iowa and he was Obama in Iowa like that's what they were teaching me on the McCain campaign it was how do you fuck up Mitt Romney Rudy Giuliani and Obama and get get in it wasn't like, oh, what are, how do you do, like, how do you gather coalitions and pull them together and have positive events about, like, union members for McCain or whatever? You know what I mean? We just, we did some like of that. Like, your job is to win. Care. Your job is to your do it to ruthlessly savage, if, yeah. if you have to. Do people, like, in that school, do they say, like, well, you, you say just always be on offense? And, like, you can see that's the approach, right? Yeah. It's very clear. But, like, that means that to be always on offense means you have to, at some level, um, get over the cognitive dissonance that yes. happens to people when they're taking in, like they're, they're, they're not being consistent. Right. And like democratic operatives, not all of them, but like many of them have a really difficult time with this. Right. Like, like my, there, there's some level of integrity where they just can't let themselves be attack dogs. If it means taking a position that's at odds with what they've said in yeah. the past. Or integrity is good, for. by the way. But yeah, no, I, mean, I, I no, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not encouraging like, Democrats phrase, to become I'm, I'm completely yeah, nihilistic. You're skeptical about that. There's no, no, a phrase, but just, just really quick. There's a like, phrase in the book I use about like getting it, and like in Republican politics, the highest praise you can give to somebody is like that person gets it, right? And I and I wrote about this and, and why we did it, and it's the thing I look back on like with a lot with some shame, and it's like getting it in Republican politics meaning not caring about the shit that you're talking about. Yes, right. Like if you in a Republican campaign, if you go to the campaign manager. And you're you're a mid-level person, and you say, "I don't know about this tactic. It's not really quite true, you know. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? What we're saying about the other person is like it's we're exaggerating it. It's not really like that is a one-way ticket to being put in the back office. Like that is one way. But that guy doesn't get it. That woman doesn't get it. Right? Like yep. getting it means you get that this is a game, and we're here to win. And and someone said that to me in campaign school. Like that is the highest praise you can get." From, from like a Republican So they, they kind of beat it out you of you. Like, don't yeah. sweat the consistency stuff to like being super honest. Yeah. But, but, but I think there's like also a different structural environment, right? Like when, when Donald Trump in 2016 campaign, he talked about how he wants the cleanest air and water in the universe, right? And then he'll like attack Hillary Clinton. She's a climate fanatic. It's China, whatever, whatever, whatever. He doesn't get like blowback from like the national pollution industry organizing anti-Trump protests to be like, what, what do you mean 
you're doing click, you know, so it's like the operatives are in this attack mode, right? But who whoever is behind the operatives wants them to be in attack mode. Right? Yeah, like, and the best argument I can give, the best example I can give to prove your point on this, because I know where you're going about how it's all the lefty groups that are bad and wrong um, for pressure. Matt, Matt has a bit of an obsession with it. Um, is, is, is think about the area where this is not true, which is abortion. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they're, ba- and, and this is increasingly less true over time, but like when I think about going back at like, when have we gotten pressure? to hew more to it when did i get pressure more to hew to an ideological line where we we were worried about blowback that was it like that was it abortion and for a while mm-hmm. is gay stuff really um frankly um but like that social issue christian you know conservative element and this is why trump does the judges list right to make everybody happy in 2016 and this is why a lot of republicans are getting in trouble now on ivf and stuff because because it is the it is sort of like the remaining vestigial area where you um and have to have an ideological it's, it's where you have to be ideologically pure. It's fascinating to watch Republicans now trying to wiggle away from the yeah. IVF stuff because it's very on one level, it's like very normal politics, right? Like they cast these votes, they appointed these judges, their position is incredibly unpopular. Democrats really are trying to nail them to the wall on it. They are trying to squish away from it. But it does strike me like I am not reading in right-wing media like hits from the right on Republicans who are trying to disavow their opposition to IVS, right? So it's like, on the one hand, there's like, there's the decision-making of the politicians, there's the decision-making of the operatives, but there's also the larger decision-making of the ecosystem. There's no articles in Michigan that are like, oh my gosh, the evangelical churches in Michigan are not going to come out for Donald Trump if he sticks to this 16-week Proposal. And, and, like and the he, he risks the, losing support. And, 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 and the pastors aren't yeah. saying to their flock, go vote uncommitted to right. show Trump that we want a national abortion ban. Right? Like and, and like true, that man. mindset, I think, is like alien to the whole democratic constellation that everyone would just be like, Yeah, give him a pass. Like and, and some of that is like Trump is leading a personality cult. But some of it is is that older instinct that you were talking about, that it's like, we're here to beat the left. Yeah. Yeah. And And part of it's natural selection of people that are drawn to this kind of politics, I think, um, for sure. And I do think that part of it is, like, abortion, I guess, would be the one counter, to your point, which is even even on the one counter example, Republicans don't go as far as the left does. But there also aren't really a lot of policy objectives anymore that folks want to have. Like, really, the best way to get punished in Republican politics is to try to do stuff. Like, trying to do stuff is your biggest, like, as, as James Lankford learned this 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 past month. Like, trying to do stuff is, is the thing that you're most likely to be um, criticized for. Attacking the left is is much safer. So, I mean, what, what I've seen of, uh, from Republicans, particularly since this IVF blow up, is, like, they're going to, try to exploit this uh to uh, like to um like scare voters about republican re- positions on reproductive rights right but like when when dobbs came down it wasn't like republicans got spooked and they were like oh shoot we caught the like we're the dog we caught the car we need to we need to go state by state and have like some sort of let's 15 week ban yeah, 10 sure. week 12 they were like ban 
like really restrictive bans went down in lots and lots and lots of states. Um, and, and Donald Trump realizes that this is a problem, right? And he's kind of like toying with the idea of saying, we're going to, we're going to set a floor of 16 weeks for the, for the free states. Like we're going to, we're going to impose that on them, but it's going to sound like we're taking a moderate across the country, 16 week threshold. Right. And like, that's him being, I think kind of sleazy and, and hiding the ball, but like the, the party didn't, didn't decide we can't win elections if we like fulfill our ideological mission on abortion. But then when the IVF thing happened, they're like, okay, but now this is a real problem. Yeah. And yet I can't think what the, like what the principal case is. I can do it. If you believe life begins at conception, so abortion is, is murder, discarding embryos is like good pro-life Christian values. I can field this one for you. Okay. It's psychological. Okay. So Republicans are not sociopaths. This was like when I had Dean Phillips on the podcast, he was like, I was shocked to be in line at the Trump at the Trump rally and people were nice to me. And I was like, yeah. You know, I mean, like they're Republican not, they're voters not, aren't. Yeah, the voters. We just got done describing about how you all are trained to be ruthless. Liars. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, no, I'm talking about the politicians. I'm getting yeah. there. You're trained yeah, okay. to be ruthless. Okay. But again, they're they're human beings. They're ruthless. They want to own the left. That's their highest and best purpose. But like they also like are not so sociopathic. There are a handful that are, but many are not so sociopathic. They're like, I have no beliefs. I don't care about anything. Abortion was like this fig leaf for a lot of Republicans. Like there, there are some that are that are deeply religious and and do and actually care about the intricacies of IVF and, and embryos and life. But for a lot of them, it's like this is a way to be like, I'm good. I'm a good person, actually. I it's the Democrats that are bad and evil. They are baby killers. I am a good person. Part of this fight, part of the reason why I can be ruthless and 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 nihilistic is because I because we're we're the righteous ones in the end. And so if the issue if the issue on which that rests is abortion and unborn babies, which it is for many of these people, then Okay, when you had the chance, when you have the chance to win, like you couldn't back down from that. Like they had, they had sniffed their own fumes on this in a lot of ways, and and some of them are uh, there's a minority that for whom this is very like earnest and genuine religiously. A lot of like the Catholic folks in particular, in in, in my world, um, I, I I totally think it's genuine. There's another another category for whom it's like. This was this is the one we we're doing. This is our righteous battle. This is our you know um, this is this is our crusade. And so okay, we can sacrifice political you know whatever on this on this one on this one abortion. And then IVF and all this other stuff comes out, and it's like whoa, okay, we don't want to sacrifice too much, right? We still need to win, right? We still need to win here, you know. And I, and I think that it's this kind of psychological like abortion has played that big of a role, and it's worked by the way. I, you talk to a lot of people for whom that's how they rationalize voting I just, for I, Trump. Heard, I talk I, to a lot of voters. That's how they rationalize voting for Trump. They know he's bad. They think he's bad. But abortion judges, this is my one. This is the moral issue of our time. I've See, I have not heard any Republican politicians or influencers try to level with people about this in the way that you're talking about, where they might say something like, look, in a perfect world, there would be like abortion would be banned and, and um, like fertility therapy 
would involve the like discarding of no embryos. Yeah. Um, however, America will be a better society if we ban abortion, but don't ban IVF. And so it's a step in the right direction. And hopefully in time, we can come up with better ways for people who need fertility treatment that doesn't involve killing babies. But for now, we're just going to have to make our peace with this compromise, right? Like if I heard somebody say, I mean, I, I would never vote for anyone yeah. who said that because I think that's crazy. But like, I'd at least be like, that's like, that is somebody who sees the situation clear and sees it whole I've seen some and is of not that. trying to lie to me. I've seen some of that, like, on, but again, among, you know, I, Emily Jashinsky uh, writes for the Federalist. I've seen some pro-life people try <laughs> okay, to do like, this. Yeah. Right, right. So, but here's but the like problem. Mike here's Johnson why you don't see saying. that. Here's why you don't see that. Because of education polarization. Right. Like you guys are all in your fucking heads and in your and in your navels, and because it's all a bunch of people that went to Ivy League schools and Kenyon and George Washington and like where sure. I went, and you all went to fancy schools, and you need to justify and rationalize every position like and public do school. Like the, you know, they're Republican fucking people. They don't need to do this. You you need you need this. You, this is what you need for your brain and for your emotions. No, like, I get it. Like, yeah. like, no, but, but it's like, like lizard brain politics, <laughs> and like this is sort of what I I'm, I I like that this is crystallized because. It works. I mean, like you're talking about positions that are inherently very unpopular. Yeah. But and like, Republicans are winning elections with 50% of the vote. So it's like, it's like they're attack dog thing and not worrying about whether it makes sense in some logically rigorous way is effective. Uh, that's probably a good place to break to tell um, free subscribers that you've been listening to a crossover episode of politics with Tim Miller of the bulwark. And if you've been enjoying the conversation, you like what you hear, um, go to politics.fm and, um, and upgrade your subscription and you can hear the whole thing and all of our other episodes.